This is the Old Radio Show's podcast. The BBC presents Guilty Party. A problem in crime detection, in which you are invited to match your wits with a panel of experts, John Arlott, F.R. Buckley, and Robert Fabian. First of all, you'll hear the crime play, The Fallen Angel. The panel will then decide on a line of investigation and cross-examine the suspects, who give unscripted answers to their questions. But first of all, here is Joe McCready, private investigator. Joe? Yes, Inspector. I know what you are going to say. You do? Yes. We're lost again. How do you manage it, Joe? One o'clock in the morning, all we have to do is find a large private house tucked away in the back of a maidenhead, and where are we? Lost. Took a long turning somewhere. The only thing to do is stop outside by these big places and ask. Popular we shall be, shall we? Where's an archway? They said they have to go under an archway. Let's try it. Still in the bolter's lock, I expect. They don't encourage people to visit them around here. This roadway has had no attention for years. Let's go then, you'll back to spring. Now, one thing, it's a glorious moonlit night. All the more reason why we shouldn't be lost. I say, that's a noble-looking pile, if you like. Mm, a mansion converted into flats, we found. Oh, well. Not bad, Shelley. All right. We can only snap our heads off. But honestly, once you get off the main road around these parts, you might be in the ruddy jungle. I say, that house must be four stories high. Quite some place. Not as nice close to it as it was from a distance. Too modern. Felt like a matchbox. Hey, Inspector. Look down the side of the building. On the concrete yard. Do you see what I see? There's somebody in pajamas. Yes. Taking a nap or something. Come on, let's see what's happening. Oh, no. But all I wanted was a nice, comfortable bed. Come on, stop mourning. Uh. The man in pajamas turned out to be a Mr. Leonard Angel. He wasn't taking a nap. He was dead. He lived with his wife in the top flat. And when we eventually made contact with her, which took some time, she was rather fuddled with sleep and drink. Had been a party, apparently. And Mrs. Laura Angel had been enjoying herself. Coffee helped to sober her up. I really am sorry about this, but... We had quite a party. When I went to bed, I more or less died. Your husband did die. Poor Len. I, I can't somehow accept it. Only a couple of hours ago, we were all laughing and drinking together. Oh, no, that's not completely true. We weren't really laughing all that much at the end of the party. We had a row. You and your husband? Oh, the four of us. And poor Len. Who were these four people? No friends? Oh, they were all partners in the firm. Forward Plastics Limited. There was Len, Johnny Tidmarsh, David Jenkins, and Thirty. Thirty Tremaine. What was the row about? Oh, what does it matter? A row is a row. Our parties usually end up in a row. The point is, what's happened to poor Len? You're sure he's dead? The police doctor's report will be in soon. From what I could see, he died from a fractured skull. What do you mean he fell and landed on his head? No. I mean, he looks as though he died from a fractured skull. But you told me he was lying on the concrete yard. Yes. Well, that's strange, because the windows of our flat look out on the lawn. All the windows? Yeah. Our bedroom there. Then there's this living room. 
And that door over there is a third bedroom. No windows overlook the concrete yard. Yet he certainly looked as though he'd fallen. To me, anyway. The roof. The roof? Yeah. Sometimes when he's had a few drinks, he goes up on the roof and he does exercises. <laughs> Stops the hangover the next day. Maybe he did that himself. Low parapet on the roof. But he's your husband. Surely you know whether he went up there tonight. We had another hour after our guests left. So he went and slept in the spare room and I slept in our room. So really, you don't know what happened? Oh, I went to bed and died, like I said. Too much to... It must have been mad to go up and do exercises on the roof after drinking as much as he did tonight. Just felt in that sort of mood, I suppose. Most time he'd just open the window and take deep breaths and all that. And I'd play really hell about it. Then, dead. Oh, my God, what's going to happen to me? It's just beginning to penetrate. And we were quarreling. We said some hateful things to each other. And those were the last words I ever spoke to him. Oh, Len, I... Mrs. Angel, do any of the neighbors know you well enough to come and, um, help a little? Oh, uh, no. Only parts of the building were occupied. Now the ones in the house are in the course of being adapted into flats. Well, is there anyone? Friends, relatives, we can call to be with you. You shouldn't be alone just now. Only my friends. They'll stand by me. Bertie and Johnny and David. Well, give me their phone numbers and we'll contact them. I dare say we shall want to ask them a question or two anyway. Oh, this will be the police doctor. Turn in, Jeff. Okay, second. Oh, one thing. How does one get to the roof, Mrs. Angel? There's a ladder that swings down from the ceiling at the end of the hall. The trap door in the ceiling has a lock on it to prevent children playing around up there. But Len had a key. I told him it wasn't safe. I told him. Now, come in, doctor. <coughs> well? What's the verdict? And the doctor's verdict was that Leonard Angel had died as the result of a fractured skull. He had multiple injuries also, as one would expect from such a fall. On the soles of the plimsolls he was wearing, there were signs of green, muddy slime. We were up on the roof, the trap door to which was open, and the ladder in position for ascending. Where the parapet made its join with the roof itself, we found a narrow line of this same muddy slime, which had collected over the years as rainwater had washed the mildew and dirt into the sides and corners of the roof. At one point, there were slide marks as though someone had skidded. These marks were right above the spot in which we found Mr. Angel on the concrete. A clear case of accidental death, one would say. But in view of what Mrs. Angel had said about a row, we thought it advisable to ask a few more questions. The doctor stated that death had occurred at about 12.30 a.m. The first person to arrive at the flat as a result of our phone calls was Mr. David Jenkins. A terrible, terrible thing to happen. Poor Len. You were a business colleague of his, co-director. Forward Plastics Limited is the company. We make all sorts of plastic materials. Indeed, if ever at any time you might be wanting some sheets of plastic, transparent or color printed, we've got some very unusual designs. Yes, I'm sure you must have. Uh, Mrs. Angel said you'd had a quarrel with her husband. Yes. Pity. We all pitched into him, to see. Why? What was the trouble? We'd had a splendid offer for a takeover from one of the biggest plastics companies in the country. We all wanted to accept... But Len Angel wouldn't agree. And our legal agreement inside the company was that all four of us must agree to winding up the company or selling out. Otherwise, it didn't happen. So now Mr. Angel is dead, he'll be able to go ahead and sell out. 
Ah, yes. If there's any bright spot in this tragic affair, that's it. I need the money. Hmm. Was the argument very heated? Well, Freddy and Johnny Tidmarsh and I did express ourselves pretty forcibly, you see. What about Mrs. Angel? Whose side was she on? Oh, on our side. Anything Freddy's remain said, she'd support automatically. Oh, like that, eh? Laura's always had a soft spot for Freddy. Did Mr. Angel know about that? Difficult not to know. She'd follow him round the room, looking all sheep's eyes at him. What a bit embarrassing, I tell you. Would you say that Mr. Angel was jealous? Well, naturally, he didn't like his wife playing up to some other chap, even if he was a co-director. Matter of fact, I reckon that the reason then Angel was against the takeover was because Freddy Germain organized it. Now, tell me, Mr. Jenkins, have you ever been up on the roof? The roof? Uh, here, do you mean? Yes. Apparently, Mr. Angel was in the habit of doing exercises up there, especially if he'd had a few drinks. You <laughs> don't say. Everybody to his own taste say, I, not my idea of fun. But then he didn't drink all that much tonight. Not as much as usual. What time did the party break up? Well, seeing that we were getting nowhere with Len, only saying rude things to him, it all broke up early, you see, about midnight. Where did you go then? My home, of course. You married? No. Housekeeper? No. Woman keeps the place clean, comes in every day for a few hours. I eat out mostly. So you went back to an empty house? Empty flat, yes. You didn't go back to the Angel's flat at all once you'd left at midnight? Not I. Why do you ask? You're, you're not suggesting that somebody pushed for old Len and sort of helped him into eternity, are you? Stranger things have happened. Mm. Well, if it's a question of motive, I don't think you should be asking me questions. No? No. Ferdy Tremaine is your man. Well, he's got it always now. He's got the takeover as he wanted it. He's got Laura Angel. He's all right, Jack. Thank you, Mr. Jenkins. I think we'll have a word or two with Mr. Tremaine. This is a very sad business, Mr. Tremaine. Oh, terrible shock. Awful thing. Poor Laura. But where? How? What happened? We found him lying on the concrete yard. That's all we know. The concrete yard? Well, had he fallen or something? That's how it looks. But where did he fall from? Was he in another flat? Why do you ask that? <laughs> it's obvious, old chap. If he'd fallen from the window of the spare room, he'd have been lying on the lawn, not on the concrete. We think he fell from the roof. The roof? Well, what the heck was he doing up on the roof after midnight? Oh, don't tell me he's got a girlfriend up there. A uh, damned uncomfortable spot to choose for a romantic rendezvous. Was Mr. Angel in the habit of having a romantic rendezvous? Oh, he had his fun, all right. Red poor old Laura had devil of a life one way or another. You're a friend of Laura Angel, aren't you? Oh, that Welshman's been opening his mouth, has he? Just because a chap behaves decently towards a woman who's having a raw deal, old Jenkins tries to make it into something it isn't. You know, he's a funny chap. Never quite sure about him. Never has anything to do with women himself, but always believes the worst of everybody else. Frustrated, I suppose. You married, Mr. Tremaine? Uh, divorce, old chap. One of these marriages that don't work out. Mind you, no hard feelings. We're the best of pals still. Oh, but I say, this really is a pretty bad show, isn't it? I mean, did he fall, or was he pushed, so to speak? What do you think? Well, it's difficult to know what to think, really. Hmm, the takeover's bound to go through now, which will save David Jenkins from the bankruptcy court. Makes you think. The guy, Mr. Angel, was in the habit of doing exercises on the roof. What? 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 With a wife like Laura? Oh, he must have been a nutcase. Exercises on the roof, I ask you. You didn't know he went up on the roof to do exercises? Uh, no, that was one of his peculiar little ways he never told me about. How would you go about getting onto the flat roof of this place? Oh, never given it a thought. I suppose there is a way up there. Bound to be. There always is. Uh, but I'm not all that fond of being on the roof. Oh, you're not seriously suggesting that he went up onto the roof at midnight to do knees bend up and stretch? Oh, surely not. Oh, he can only go by what Mrs. Angel tells us. And you think that he must have slipped or lost his footing somehow and fell over the parapet? Hmm, it's a possibility. But what's the alternative? That someone followed him up onto the roof and then pushed him over? Oh, that's a bit far-fetched, that is. Hmm, could have happened if anyone had sufficient motive. 
They might have attacked him in his own flat, then taken him up to the roof and pushed him over to make it look as though it was an accident. Well, it'd have to be a very strong man to get a chap like Angel up the steps and through a trap door, or whatever the arrangement is up there. Yes, wouldn't be easy, I agree. Tell us, Mr. Tremaine, what did you do after the party broke up? I gave Johnny Titmarsh, he's our other director, a lift home. I went in, had a night. What time did you leave his place? Oh, quarter past or thirty past twelve, I suppose. He only lived about a mile away. Hmm. Were he and Mr. Angel on good terms? None of us were on good terms with him tonight. He was crabbing this wonderful takeover offer we'd had. We were mad at him, I can tell you. Did you come back here at all for any reason after leaving Mr. Tidmarsh? Come back here? <laughs> what for? Well, maybe to try and get Mr. Angel to change his mind. No fear. If I'd come back here, I'd have stopped him one. I'd lost patience with the man. Uh, that's what we rather imagined. Thank you, Mr. Tremaine. Thank you. Now, Joe, let's have a word or two with Mr. Tidmarsh, shall we? Mr. Tidmarsh, you left the party with Mr. Tremaine, we understand. Good gracious me. Yes, I did. Uh, Ferdy Tremaine drives like a madman. Did he stay long with you? No. The little woman was still waiting up for me, so we had a quick nightcap, the three of us, and off he went. And did you go straight to bed then? No, I kissed the little woman goodnight and went for a turn round the garden. I was in rather a state of turmoil mentally. You didn't go back again to see Mr. Angel. Funny you should say that. I made up my mind to walk back and have another chat with him. I got about halfway there and then decided it was a waste of time. Did you get to the inside of the house? Yes. What time would that be? Oh, uh, about half past twelve, I'd say. Did you see anybody on the roof of the building? No. Oh, why, was Leonard Angel up to his rooftop antics again? Oh, I beg your pardon. I keep forgetting he's passed on. I can't somehow believe it. So you knew he was in the habit of climbing up to the roof to do his exercises then? Oh, yes, he tried to get me up there one night. But with my stomach, I found it far too difficult to squeeze through the trap door. In any case, I'm not the energetic type. I'm built for comfort rather than for speed of action. Now, there's a low parapet running around the roof. Is yes, there? I wouldn't know. Well, it rather looks as though he slipped and fell over the parapet onto the concrete yard. In that case, it could only have been an accident. Couldn't possibly have been foul play. Why do you say that with such assurance? How do you know? Well, because it would be a physical impossibility for anyone to carry Angel's body up a rickety makeshift ladder through a ridiculously small trap door and onto the roof for the purpose of pushing him over the parapet. Why do you say carry Angel's body? Are you suggesting that he was killed in his own flat and then pushed overboard, so to speak? Well, it's a possibility, isn't it? But not from the roof. That wouldn't be a practical proposition. Uh, not for me, anyway. Mm. Could Tremaine or Jenkins have done it? Well, not unless they were up on the roof and they attacked him there and then pushed him over. Uh, what was the time of death? About 12.30. Funny. I didn't see him up there at 12.30, and it was a bright moonlight night. Now, Mr. Tidmarsh, forgive me for asking, but does the death of Mr. Angel solve any problems for you? Oh, indeed it does. It means that I can now retire comfortably and take my wife to live abroad. The doctors have said that another winter in this benighted climate could kill the little woman. I was more anxious than anyone that the takeover should go through. Now it will. Hmm. Oh, I know it may sound callous, but in all honesty, I'm not as upset as I ought to be. Thank you, Mr. Tidmarsh. Well, Joe, this is a rum hard-you-do, if you like. And a rum hard-you-do was a very good way of describing this particular case. We examined Mr. Angel's body again. In the breast pocket of his pajamas, we found the key to the trap door leading onto the roof. It really did look like accidental death. But was it? What do you think? Our three experts have heard the facts in the crime play The Fallen Angel. Now they have the right to ask questions of the people concerned. The completely unrehearsed questions will be answered without any script or help by the persons interrogated, and they must tell the truth, except in the case of the guilty party, who can and will try to get out of difficulty if he or she is able to. Over now to John Arlott. 
We drank. First of all, Ted Mason, before we get to the suspects, to ask you one or two questions. Was the flat door open or shut? It was the rim-tight lock, and it was on the latch. In other words, anyone could push it open. Yes. How wide is this line of slime on the roof? Quite narrow, about six inches or less. Were the lights on in the Angel's flat when McCready and the inspector went to it? The light in the spare room was on, and of course the other lights were put on later when they got in contact with Mrs. Laura Angel. Right. Thank you. Now I wonder if we might speak to Ferdy Tremaine. Sit down, Mr. Tremaine. Mr. Tremaine, have you ever had a really late party with Lord Angel? Oh, quite a few. Yes, he enjoyed his booze. Uh, well, uh, have you ever discussed hangovers with him? Well, we both suffered terribly from them. I know that. I don't think it's actually come up in discussion very often. Well, have you ever suggested doing some exercises after the party? No, not by any means. It was a great shock to me when I heard about this. Mr. Tremaine, do you live alone? I do, sir, I have. Where? I have a little cottage just the other side of Bray. Well, how far is that from the Angel's house? It's roughly 15 miles, I think. How often do you see Mrs. Angel when her husband isn't about? Oh, occasionally. How do you arrange these meetings? You get on the phone. I, uh, you know, I've noticed that she doesn't have a very happy life, and very often I ring up and pop around and see her, or meet in town, have a coffee. Does she ring you up? She has done, yes. Did she ring you on the night that this happened? No, no, she didn't, no. Uh, tell me one other thing. What time were you rung to come to the Angel's flat? Oh, dear, dear, dear. Uh, it was around about, I'd say, one o'clock. I got home at about 20 to 1. It must have been about 20 minutes after. Right. That'll do, Mr. Tremaine. Thank you. I wonder if we can now speak to Mr. Tidmarsh. No, Mr. Tidmarsh, what put into your mind the idea of Angel being killed in his flat and thrown over the parapet? Well, I suppose the fact that everyone's asking so many questions. Angel once tried to get you onto the roof, didn't he? Yes, that's correct. Yes. Did you actually see him pull the ladder down? Uh, yes. Open the trap door? Yes. What sort of a lock was on the door, isn't it? Uh, it's a rim-type lock. Uh, had he got his pajamas on when he tried to get you onto the roof? Yes, he had. He had. Oh. Do what did he do with the key after he unlocked the tap door on that occasion? Do you remember? I think he put it in uh, his pajama pocket, but I couldn't be quite certain. But this trap door, was it wide enough for a strong man to carry another through it? No, it wasn't. What would you say was Angel's weight? About 11 stone, I should think. Hmm. Now, if your guess was right and his body was taken onto the roof, mm -hmm. could one person have pushed it up and another have pulled it through? Yes, I suppose so. When you set out to walk to the Angel's flat, were you at any time within sight of the windows of their flat? Um, yes, I, yes, it was a bright moonlight night. I, I could see them vaguely. Were the lights on? There was one light on. What room might that be? I should think it was the spare room. You think it was the spare room? All right. Thank you. Perhaps now we could talk to Mrs. Angel. Sit down, Mrs. Angel. Uh, Thank you. Uh, are you feeling better now, Mrs. Angel? Thank you. Yes, very much better. Thanks for a lot of that coffee. Oh, good. Now tell me, have you ever discussed this habit of your husband doing exercise on the rooftop with anyone? Oh, good Lord, no. Well, to be specific, have you ever discussed these exercises with Freddie Tremaine? Never mentioned it, Fred. You never have? No. Have you ever dis heard him discuss these exercises with any of his partners? 
No, I never heard him discuss more than one at all. Never been mentioned in your presence? Nope, never. Mm. How many keys are there to the trap door? Well, there's one. Each flat has one. You only had one? We only have, yeah. Where is, where is it usually kept? Well, it's usually kept under the clock and the mantelpiece in the living room. Did he usually uh, do his exercises on the roof in pajamas? Yes. Oh, yes. Did you telephone Freddy Tremaine last night? No, I didn't phone Freddy, no. Freddy phoned me earlier in the evening, before the party, just to ask if we got enough to drink and could he bring some more. Did you phone him after the party? No. Did he phone you? No. Did you see any of the partners again after the party broke up? I did not. I was dead to the world. That's all right, then, Mrs. Angel. Thank you very much. I wonder then if we could speak to David Jenkins. <clears throat> Mr. Jenkins, uh, how was Lena Angel when you left him? Well, um, I think it might be said that he was uh, sober and I, I might expect. Well, wasn't very drunk. No, no. How did you know how Lena Angel died? Uh, well, I didn't know at all until um, I was the first to arrive, and I was told by two gentlemen who were there at the time. The other officers, you mean? Uh, presumably, yes. Mm. How did you get home? By car. Mm-hmm. Now, what would happen to Angel's holdings in the plastic company on his death? Uh, presumably, they would be inherited by Nora. Mm. She'd inherit the interest and the voting power. Uh, presumably, yes. Mm-hmm. How much drink do you think Mrs. Angel had had that night? Um, well, it's very hard to tell. Quite a lot, I should say. I should say more than a husband. What about any of the others? Would you say any of them were drunk? Mm, no, no. Would you say that either Tidmarsh or Tremaine was in a violent temper with Angel? Oh, not a physically violent temper. No, I think they were just irritated by the fact that uh, he wasn't prepared to sell. Were either of them violent men? I shouldn't have thought so, no. Well, I, I'm sorry, Mr. Jenkins, because there's the signal... For the end of our interrogation. Well, uh, we're still satisfied that the clue is. Well, no, Ted Mason, we're satisfied that Freddie Tremaine is, in the main, the guilty party. But we're sure there must have been some collusion with Laura Angel. The, the clue we're satisfied is that Tremaine knew that Angel was in the spare bedroom. But the only person who could have told him that is Laura Angel, because the row between her and her husband that caused him to go into the other room didn't happen until all the partners had gone. We think he came back to the flat intending to argue with Angel, knocked the door, and was told that Angel was in the spare room. We assume that he must have killed him in the spare room, got his body up the steps with Laura Angel's assistance, changed into his plimsolls, carried his body across the room, put the plimsolls back on his feet, and thrown him over the parapet. Uh, that's a very good reconstruction of a crime. Uh, this crime isn't quite like that, uh, but I'll give you 75% for ingenuity and for getting the main clue, which was, as you say, that Ferdy Tremaine knew that this man was in the spare room and not normally in the room with his wife. What exactly happened was this. <clears throat> You're quite right when you say there was a certain amount of collusion between Ferdy Tremaine and Mrs. Angel. Ferdy Tremaine asked Mrs. Angel to supply him with a key to the flat. And he also asked Mrs. Angel to insist upon her husband occupying the spare room. That's how he knew. And then he said to her, now forget everything else 
have a lot of gin and go into a heavy sleep and don't think about anything, leave the rest to me. Then he came back. When he came back, our friend Mr. Angel was doing his exercises in front of the open window. Now, already, Ferdy Tremaine had got one of his large sheets of plastic material and spread it underneath the window of the spare room so that when he walked in, hit our friend Angel over the head very hard, fractured his skull, in fact, pushed him out of the window, he landed on the plastic. Then, later, he removed the body from the plastic and put it round the corner on the concrete and wrapped up the plastic and took it away. He took off his plimsolls, went up on the roof, made the skid marks, but made a mistake and made skid marks on each foot, if you know what I mean. Whereas normally one foot only would have been sufficient for him to slip on, wouldn't it? He then came back to the trapdoor, took off the plimsolls, went down, and put the plimsolls back on Angel's feet, put the key back into Angel's pajamas pocket, and I think 75 to 80% you were right, and in fact it could have been done in the way you suggest, because you did get the guilty party and the fact that there was collusion. John Arlott, F.R. Buckley, and Robert Fabian were the panel in The Fallen Angel, a problem in crime detection from the BBC series Guilty Party. The play was written by Edward J. Mason, and the programme produced by Tony Shrine.